all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, good morning, everyone. And if you're really good at recognizing voices, you realize this is not Dr. Rick DeShazo. Uh, My name is Dr. Galen Marshall. I am Chief of Allergy Immunology at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I'm filling in for Dr. Rick, who's away today. And because we are allergists, and both he and I are allergists, we're going to talk about allergy today. We're going to have a good allergy season this year, and we would love to have you uh, in the conversation. If you have questions or comments, call us at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. I can tell you that this is going to be a really good allergy season. Good in the context of if you're an allergist, there's going to be lots of business. But if you're a patient, it's probably going to be going to be pretty bad. And let me tell you why. We had this nice winter. We had a real winter in Mississippi this year. Cold weather, even single digits for a few nights. And what that did was pruned a lot of the trees that are out and now just beginning to bud. You look outside. So it was like trimming them back. Uh, this show is not about the debate about crepe myrtles, whether you cut them back all the way to the nubs or you, or you trim them. But regardless of which way you do, when you cut the crepe myrtles back and other trees back and they're pruned, then the flowers come out prettier and the blooms and the pollens are what the problems are. We are literally days away from the wonderful yellow pollen that will be all over our windshields and all over the top of our cars. And when that occurs, the end result of that is going to be not so much that it's the pine, because that's what that is, unless you happen to live in a pine grove. But the oaks and the maples and the pecans are all going to be blooming at the same time, and they're going to be all around us, and what we breathe in are going to create allergies. And we'll talk more about what that means in just a minute, but we have now a call from uh, Ellen in Amory. And Ellen, I'm assuming I'm not going to disconnect you. I'm new at this, but assuming I do this right, there you are. Uh, Ellen, uh, welcome, and uh, tell us about your question. Yes, sir. My daughter has problems with her sinuses uh, at this time of the year and again in the fall. But what she does, she gets up and it sounds like she's blowing Gabriel's horn every morning. (laughs) And and she has a lot of drainage and then she'll have some blood. And a lot of times it'll end up her having to go see the doctor and getting some medication for it. Is there something I can do to prevent this? Oh, yes, ma'am. And in fact, you have just uh, mentioned the magic word, prevention. It sounds like your daughter is having this in a typical season. There are three allergy seasons. We're about to come into the first one, and the first one is when trees come up. They come in somewhere around the 1st of March, and they last to somewhere around the end of April. A little bit different in the different latitudes of Mississippi, but generally speaking, that's right. 
about the time the trees go away, here come the grasses. They come up the first part of May, and they're around usually until June or July when it gets so hot out there that it sort of burns them up, and that settles down. And then about Labor Day, here come the weeds. So in the fall, you have weeds. In the spring, you have grasses. And early in the spring, late winter, you have trees. That sounds to me, and if I heard that story, I would want your daughter to know whether she is allergic or not allergic. Uh, that can be done readily in, in virtually any allergist's office. And then in terms of medications, they're really strong medicines that work very well to control her symptoms, but she wants to get on them as soon as she can because just like all medicines, allergy medicines work best to prevent symptoms rather than they do to treat them. What she could start with is some uh, intranasal steroids. Uh, steroid is always a scary word, but there's several brands over the counter that can be purchased and can be used appropriately uh, on a regular basis during the season. They don't work if you use them every two or three days or if you just use them for two or three days. You have to use them regularly during the season, and that can help control the uh, symptoms. Antihistamines can be useful. But again, antihistamines work best if you do them to prevent the symptoms rather than actually treat them. And you want one of these antihistamines like cetirizine or loratadine or fexafenidine, and they all have appropriate brand names depending on which pharmacy you want. But you can go to the pharmacist and tell them you want a non-sedating antihistamine, antihistamine that doesn't make you sleepy, and they can point you to the right ones. If that works, she's good to go. If it doesn't work, then I think a consultation with an allergist would be very useful. Thank you for your call. Next, we're going to go to Julie in Mobile. Uh, I got you there. Julie, uh, how are you this morning? Oh, good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How can we help you? I guess. um, I have uh, my dad is 88 years old. He's actually doing really, really well. Not no issues. He does not have any allergies or anything like that, but he is complaining about his this nasal drip, and it's just a clear, watery drip. It's very annoying to him, and uh, he went and saw a doctor. They just put him on Claritin um, and told him, you know, to give that a try, and I was wondering if you thought that was appropriate. So, Julie, let me ask you one related question. Uh, Do things like temperatures, if he goes from warm to cool or puts his face near a refrigerator, uh, um, uh, strong odors, uh, are those the sort of things that will make his dripping even worse? Now, that I'm not 100% sure. He is in Iowa. Okay. Yes, it's cold outside. I understand. You know, then he's in a warmer house. But um, So let me tell you, Julie, what he probably has based upon his age and the symptoms that you described. Sure. As we get older, when, when we're young and little bitty kids uh, and we have nasal symptoms, everyone assumes that they're allergy related, and usually they are. As we get older, the actual allergy part, and let me just digress just for 10 seconds and tell you what we mean by that. When we say allergy... What we mean is that your body is producing an abnormal amount of an antibody called IgE. I tell patients to think of E for evil. And it's it's directed against a variety of different things, pollens and molds and dust and animal danders and so on. As we get older, that mechanism that creates nasal symptoms begins to be replaced by essentially a mechanism that gets more prominent as we get older. 
And that term that we use is called vasomotorhinitis. And vasomotorhinitis is important to know because it's very common in someone your dad's age. First of all, God bless him for being 88 and and doing very well. And second of all, antihistamines don't work well. They don't work well at all for this. There is a category of medicine called anticholinergic, C-H-O-L-I-N-E-R-G-I-C, cholinergic is the one. Okay. And and even if you can't remember that, you can tell the doctor the one that dries me up, and that's exactly what it does. It's a very useful drug. It's a nasal spray. It goes in the nose. It has virtually zero systemic side effects. Its only real downside is that it's pretty short-acting and only lasts for about six hours at a time. And it's pretty hard to get somebody to remember to take medicine four times a day if they have regular symptoms. But I guarantee you it's something that can work and something that you might talk to your dad about and ask him to talk to his health care provider and see if they might give him a trial of it. Okay. And the Claritin, probably not. Probably not. going to help. It's probably not going to help him at this yeah. stage in his life. And, and if it were going to help him, uh, you would see a response in two or three days. And it sounds right. like he's and, been trying it for a while. And it's been about a week. Yeah. And he's not noticing anything yet. Right. So tell him to save his, his uh, nickels and dimes. And uh, the good news of this uh, medicine that I just described to you, the major one is a generic medicine. So therefore, it shouldn't be overly expensive for him. But it is prescription. It has to be prescribed by healthcare it's provider. It's a prescription and it's a nasal spray anticholinergic? Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay. So we go back to this discussion we were having a moment ago about the allergy season and why it's coming up now and why it is such a problem for us. Well, we had this uh, issue that uh, a nice strong winter and we're starting to have these warm days. And they're not hot yet, but they're nice warm days and they're cool nights. We've got lots of rain statewide. We're seeing all kinds of rain. So you are watering the plants. You are providing a nice environment and they're going to do what plants do. They're going to bloom. And as they bloom, it's not really the rose bushes. It's not the ones where bees come and pollinate. Those are not a big problem. Unless, of course, you stick your nose in the nose and sniff real hard in the flower and you sniff real hard, then you probably deserve what you get. But assuming you're not doing that, it's not the roses, it's not the beautiful flowers that are out there, it's the trees, those that are wind-pollinated, and they the things fall out of the trees, the wind blows them, they get past you and me, and we breathe them in. When we breathe them in, we can become the first time sensitized to them. If you're becoming symptomatic, you've been sensitized to them uh, before, and it's like I said earlier your body is making this evil antibody called IgE. And IgE normally exists enough to help present, uh, protect us against worm infestations and so on. Most of us in, in urban societies don't have a lot of problem with that. But we have this well-developed immune system and it gets us into trouble. And the end result of that trouble is that we can become symptomatic for uh, allergic disease. We have open lines, and we would love to hear from you at one 672 7464 That's one eight seven seven mpb ring and we'd be delighted to talk to you about uh, uh, issues you might have re- related to uh, allergies. And we call here from Mobile from Mikey. Uh, Mikey, I think I got you. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, uh, well, I've already been out doing a little bit of mowing, you know, trim mowing stuff here. Um, 
Oak trees are definitely blooming and even dropping the blooms. Um, and I usually, uh, okay, I also close my window, uh, open my windows more early with the warm weather, but I've left them closed with the uh, with our slam weather. You know, slams from freezing cold to freezing hot. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, uh uh, anyhow, trying to navigate it all, cetirizine has been um, something that was recommended by um, Dr. Rick and has been uh, extraordinarily uh, beneficial to me. Um, I have not been taking it yet. Um, I just want to say that how grateful I am. <laughs> You know, basically, that he even um, uh, gave me the information. Well, Dr. Rick, I've known Dr. Rick for about 35 years. He and I have been friends for most of that time. Uh, and uh, he he's a guy whose advice I take with some regularity. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Let me say a couple of things to you, Mikey, about this. Uh, number one, uh, that there, there is a conundrum that a lot of people have at this time of year because it's cool at night. They say, okay, I'm just going to open the, the windows and get some nice breeze. It turns out that the very worst time of the day for pollens is about twilight, right about the time of sunrise. Well, I don't know, unless you're really well regimented and motivated, if you open the window before you go to sleep at night because it's going to be nice and cool, even if you wake up early the next morning, those pollens have had a chance to blow inside the home where it becomes more challenging to get rid of them rather than outside. So at the initial part of the pollen seasons, and we describe them uh, February, March for uh, trees, uh, April, May for grasses, uh, August, September for weeds, it's probably a reasonable idea not to have your windows open if you're sensitive to those. The second part about the cetirizine, it's, a, it's an outstanding drug. It was a prescription drug for some years. It's relatively inexpensive, uh, particularly in the generic form. And But it is like all of these medicines. It works best before you have symptoms to prevent them or minimize them rather than to try to knock them down. Think of your symptoms as a fire. It's always smarter and more protective to prevent the fire than it is to actually put it out once it gets established. So if you know you have trouble at this time of year, most especially if you're going out there doing your mowing and your trimming, you're out in, outside in the outdoors and you know you're going to be that way, and this time of year you're likely to have problems, my strong suggestion would be for you to go ahead and start taking it now. It works quickly. It can build up over a few days. The side effects don't really build up, but the effectiveness can build up. So if you know you have trouble this time of year, getting on one cetirizine a day is not an unreasonable thing to do. I don't have any side effects, and I thank you so much. You're very welcome. I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Mikey, for calling. You too. Our next call is from Tim in Lumberton. And he's going to talk to us, I think, about a nasal drip problem, Tim. Yes, sir. I got two things here. I got some uh, congestion I hear in my ear when I'm laying on on one side there. I can hear that ear popping. And the other thing is when I eat something hot, uh, my sinuses start pouring. And I also notice when I eat something cold, it'll do that, too. 
Well, Tim, let's talk about the first one first, the ear problem. What you probably got is, you know, there's three parts to our ear, and you may have heard about this sometimes. We have that, the outer part of our ear, which is what we see, and it goes all the way to the level of the eardrum. And between the eardrum and the inner part of the ear, which conducts sounds up into our brain, is something called a middle ear. And if you've ever gone up in an airplane or gone in an elevator and gone up or down too fast and you hear your ears popping, that is a little uh, uh, structure called a eustachian tube that goes into the back of our our nose. And what that does is that is uh, equalizing the pressure in our middle ear. What happens to us, particularly as we begin to get older and things get a little floppy and they grow around and that's just the nature of being who we are, you can sometimes get some congestion and that eustachian tube is not functioning as well as it used to. So the simple thing that I would suggest you to do before you go to bed at night is, if you can think about this, when you start thinking about going to bed at night, is clear in your ears. Like if you were where you hold your nose and you blow gently against it, not hard. You're not trying to harm yourself. You're just trying to hear if your ears will pop. And if your ears pop, that means you've reestablished the pressure in those ears and keep doing that until you finally decide to go to bed. What that does is that if that ear pressure is unequal, sometimes the body will begin to secrete fluid into that middle ear a little bit. You can get what's called a serous otitis. just happens to be the fancy name for it. But the end result of that is that it can sound like just what you're describing. If that eustachian tube can stay open, it'll drain, and then you won't have that kind of a problem. So I would suggest you just try clearing your ears. Do that for a few nights and see if that makes a difference in that symptom that you have. The second one that you described is a classic version of what I was just talking about right before with one of the previous callers is vasomotor rhinitis, and it's not at all uncommon. You probably, that spicy foods and cold foods and hot foods and so on, uh, that can be pretty embarrassing if you're out to eat and your nose is pouring so bad that you need to excuse yourself and go blow your nose that 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 can be a problem not to mention the fact that it's just it's just bothersome there is a medicine it's that same medicine that i described before that's called an anticholinergic and in someone like you it's a little bit easier because we call this gustatory rhinitis, gustatory having to do associated with eating, and you simply use this before you eat, and it will prevent this uh, problem from happening. Uh, you're, it, unfortunately, this is a prescription medicine, but your primary care provider can provide it, or you can get it from a specialist if you need to, and it's called an anticholinergic nasal spray. You can just say, you don't have to remember that fancy name, I need that spray that will dry me up. So I can use it before I eat. I have to use it up to four times a day if I if I need it before I go to bed or at least three times a day before meal times. I think you'll find that that will work very well for you, Tim. Is one of them a fluticasone? No, the, flu, the fluticasone is a nasal steroid, and that's available over the counter. This one, the name of the medicine is called ipatropium. It starts with an I. Ipatropium, and it's a generic, so it, there's not a specific brand of it per se, but it has to be given by prescription only. And I know that a primary care provider is likely to be able to do that for you. And you give it a try as much as an hour before, but it candidly, it'll work 15 minutes before. The, what I try to tell patients in the office is try to remember to do it about 30 minutes before. Most of us think about the fact of, okay, it's time to eat. 
I'm getting hungry, and either we're involved in preparing the meal or we're going to a restaurant or somebody's preparing it, where we could put this in our nose and that within 15 to 30 minutes, then we sit down to eat, and it can prevent those nasal symptoms that occur. How's okay, it? Great. Thank Give it a try, Tim. Good luck to you. Right. Uh, we are, have some open lines here. Uh, we have another caller that we'll take in just a moment, but give us a call at one 672 7464 That's one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm Dr. Galen Marshall from UMMC in Jackson. I'm substituting for Dr. Rick DeShazo, and we're talking today about allergies. And now we're going to go to William from Starkville. Good morning, William. Uh, good morning. How may uh, we help you? I I have uh, have a problem very similar to either your second last call or the last one. Uh, I have what I am sure is eustachian tube constriction uh, that comes out about this time of the year, almost invariably when it's cooler weather. Although uh, some years recently it hasn't been that cool, and all it does is obstruct primarily in one ear, worse in one ear than another, and, and that ear happens to be the one <clears throat> with diminished uh, high-frequency uh, hearing ability that I'm sure I know Air Force experience created this. But this this congestion, it doesn't respond to blowing. I can't feel anything. The only thing that I get, there's no discomfort with it except the terrible way it uh, um, it obscures, it's, it scrambles uh, conversation. And so my wife and I like to dance, and there's nothing worse than going to a, to a rock band with, uh, with loud noises that uh, uh, are confused and, and uh, spoiled by this problem that is worse in one year it's, than the other. But I, can't, I wondered whether or not it's possible to put a stint in a eustachian tube to uh, keep it open because it, blowing or sniffing, or uh, I can't make any movement. There's no indication, and I don't feel pressure. But it sure feels like otherwise like congestion. Uh, I understand exactly what you're describing, and I've actually had patients present with uh, symptoms not dissimilar to what you're describing. There are a couple things. Now, let me make sure I understand this. This is something that's seasonal for you. It doesn't happen 12 months out of the year, just no, at no, certain no, no. times? It's usually this, uh, this uh, okay. late January, February, March is the usual time I notice it. It can occur other times. I'm sure I've had it. Uh, on occasion in the fall, and it always disappears in a month or so. Very good. And uh, uh, Do you have any nasal congestion that goes with it? Uh, not, well, I have, <clears throat> I, I have a, a little, I've had um, antrums opened up because of uh, uh, decades and decades ago to uh, to relieve that antrum sinus there. Got it. Um, so let me give you a quick suggestion. Let me give you a quick suggestion that'll work. Because it sounds like the nature of it being seasonal like this, then it's reasonable to us. It's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it comes and goes. Yeah. But uh, I never consider it a problem because I can always blow my nose and, and get, Got it. get clearance. And sometimes if I'm in church or someplace like that or a dinner, that's uh, not convenient. So the consistency of this time of year, let me tell you how to fix this. Go to the store and uh, any of the pharmacies that you want to go to and get you a bottle of fluticasone. Fluticasone is a nasal steroid spray. 
And that nasal steroid spray was sold as a very expensive prescription drug for many years till it came over the counter a few years ago. And now it's very inexpensive. And what it is, is that it will shrink down the structures inside your nose after time. You have to use it on a regular basis. It takes about five to seven days to work maximally. Uh, And I would suggest you use it twice a day for one week and then back off to once a day for the period of time that you historically have a problem with this. Because it will shrink down the structures inside your nose that will allow your eustachian tube to drain. And as a eustachian tube drains and opens up, then this problem itself should go away. If you do that and you don't see that, it's at that time that I think you might well benefit from an otolaryngology um, referral. Have your primary care send you to an ENT doctor's and let them look in that ear to address whether there might be a surgical solution for that one side of your ear compared to others. But the simple, easy thing to do, because you can start this today, is to go get some of that fluticasone, try that, and if by this time next week, if you're not better, then it's not unreasonable to go ask your primary care physician or provider to uh, get your referral to an ENT doctor. Thank you. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you. Okay. So now uh, I have in this allergy business, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about things that can bother you, not just the tree pollens, but other things you can look out for and what you can do about them. And we're going to do that uh, um, once we um, uh, take uh, more calls. Call us at one 672 That's one 877 ring And we'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, welcome back. Uh, This is not Dr. Rick DeShazo. This is Dr. Galen Marshall. I'm from University of Mississippi Medical Center, pinch hitting for Dr. Rick today, and we're talking about allergies. Uh, give us a call at one 672 7464 That's one eight seven seven mpb ring If you have a question about allergies or asthma or sinus problems, and we're going to go to a call from John in South Haven who has a question about chronic sinus infection. Good morning, John. Hi. Uh, yes, I've, for the last, well, three years at least, I have had a chronic sinus infection. It's been treated numerous times. The last time it was treated was with uh, 
a gadget that sprays water up into your sinuses, through your nose, uh, and I had a 30-day supply of an antibiotic that was uh, administered that way, and it still didn't do any good. This is worse once the heat comes on, and it's not as bad during the late spring, summer, and early fall. Well, John, I can tell you that the chronic sinus infection, there are two issues, several issues actually we talked about. If it's truly a sinus infection per se, then I think what uh, the question immediately comes to my mind is, has anyone looked to see if you have an underlying problem with your immune system itself? We call it an immunodeficiency. And that's a simple workup that not only that allergists who also happen to be immunologists do uh, that can give some really good information. But assuming that what this oftentimes is is a chronic rhinosinusitis, and what that means is that it's basically nasal trouble all the time and that it ends up then getting impacted back up into the sinuses and they get trouble from that, that's a much more common presentation Sometimes there's a surgical solution for that. Sometimes there's a medical solution for that. The the uh, therapy that you described a moment ago is is used quite commonly. It has a variable amount of uh, success, but it could well be that you have an allergy component to this. And the allergy, well, motor rhinitis and allergic rhinitis. Right. And- and the, aller- and the allergy could be due a lot to uh, molds that are ubiquitous in our environment in this part of the country. Yes, and, th- and those molds will uh, sort of be quiet in the wintertime to some degree. And right now with the rain and now the temperate climate and so on, they just sort of explode, not unlike the tree pollens. And I was going to actually mention that uh, in some other uh, uh, context is that the other thing we need to be watching out for around here besides the tree pollens right now are the mold spores because they'll come up after all these nice rain uh, that we get, particularly when it rains for a fairly brief period of time and then there's a period of nice weather afterwards. That nice earthy smell that you smell outside is mold. So yeah. the, the, the issue is, John, if you've not seen an allergist recently, uh, I think it might be a worthwhile thing for an evaluation to understand what your current allergic status is and then tailor make your therapy program against the nature of that in terms of the specific uh, medications. And it, uh, depending on what you would be allergic to, you might well be uh, eligible for allergen immunotherapy, so-called allergy shots. Back in the day, you only gave allergy shots to little kids. I actually have a few, not many, but a few patients in their 70s in my clinic who are on allergy shots and doing quite well on them. My point being is that we see the value of them much later in life now than we did when I was trained 30-something years ago. And I would uh, urge you to consider an allergy consultation. Uh, most allergists take, uh, essentially, you can call and make your own appointment. You don't have to have a referral. You may prefer a referral, but I would uh, encourage you to go and see uh, an allergist and get their input. Uh, I did see an allergist. He said... He thought I had COPD, and they sent me to a lung doctor. And uh, he said, no, I have asthma, but that still doesn't deal with what um, my flight surgeon used to call Frank Yellow Fuss, 
coming out of my sinus. I agree with you. I think then if the if you're not getting anywhere with the allergist, the next group that I would go see is an otolaryngologist, an ENT specialist, who does specialize in sinus disease and can give you some good advice. Okay, otolaryngologist. Jo- right, or, or just say ENT. That works even easier. Okay. Well, I've seen ENT. Very uh, good. Numerous times, but uh, to well, I've had four rotary jobs. Um, that's what we call them in the air force. I understand. Uh, uh, and and yeah, they've tried everything, and and nothing has seemed to work. Well, I, I, I would consider either a different allergist or an ENT doctor and, and give them another chance to look at it now. John, thanks very much for your call. We'll move on now to Robert in Pascagoula. And I understand, Robert, you have some sinus problems as well. Yes, sir. Uh, regularly uh, sinus problems off and on. And I was, thank you for taking my call, by the way. I appreciate sure. it. Happy but, to. The um, my doctor has suggested over the counter Zyrtec and also Flonase regularly, and I'm just calling to make sure that there are no um, uh, side effects that I need to be aware of, or how long I could use either one of those uh, without feeling I was overusing them. Uh, those are both very good questions, and I think they're questions that uh, I commend you for actually being concerned enough to ask that because very often what we get are people that either just don't take them because they don't like it or they just take things blindly because the provider told them to do it and the fact is is that you want to do you you should have this sort of information let's talk about uh the the uh uh, fluticasone first which is the nasal steroid uh flonase flonase right when when i was in training back in the 80s uh the flonase and the others were new drugs they were brand new drugs that were just coming out and there was a lot of excitement about them but there was a natural concern oh this is a steroid is it going to be a problem if somebody uses it every day is it going to be harmful what i'm telling you that was that that was 30 something years ago i am now seeing patients who essentially have been using it nonstop for 30 years and the inside of their nose looks great. There is not any long-term side effects that have been documented. Now, to be fair, there are those who have been worried about the idea of can long-term use of nasal steroids create glaucoma or can it create cataracts in the eyes? And there are some information, there's some, there's some uh, ophthalmologists in particular that express a lot of concern about that. But when you look at what the medical literature says, the safety of this medicine and how well it works far outweighs that theoretical risk, which simply has not been something that uh, has been uh, able to be proven, not something that most ophthalmologists or optometrists worry about. Having said that, I think if one had already had glaucoma, if one already had uh, cataracts and hadn't been operated on yet, to follow them carefully and consider the use of a nasal steroid, uh, Flonase being a, a good example of that, would be appropriate. But for the rest of us, that it's not a problem for the safety of it's outstanding. The antihistamine... And there would be no uh, side effects on any other bodily functions? Or, no, no. Know, that, the advan- when, I, when I hear steroids, I'm thinking muscles. Or- sure you are. And the advantage of that is because they're topical, they don't get to the other parts of your body. That's the advantage of them. It's not, you. you could take the equivalent steroid pill and get the same relief in your nose, but then you would have all the other systemic side effects. That's why it was such an innovative, revolutionary development 30 years ago when these uh, medicines came out. 
the antihistamine. I generally do my, fl- my Flunase um, right before I go to bed, yeah. a couple of shots of per- each nostril. Is perfectly fine. Reasonable? Perfectly fine. Perfectly reasonable to do. Some people like it first thing in the morning. Other people uh-huh. like it before they go to bed. It's personal choice. The key is the regularity of it, using it on a regular basis, and it sounds like you're doing that. And the, you're thinking once a day. Once, once a day, that's how they're designed. Once a day is mm-hmm. plenty. Uh, once in a while, there are people that benefit from twice a day. Most people don't. It's once a day, and it'll work fine. The antihistamines are fine. The only real side effects of those is that in higher doses, they can make one a little sleepy or a little slow. If you're sleepy, I don't worry about it so much because you're going to go lay down and take a nap. I worry much more about slow because slow means not only that it slows you down physically, but it can slow you down intellectually and reflex-wise as well. One Benadryl uh, or diphenhydramine, which is a generic name for this, taken on an individual can have the same impairment as uh, a glass of wine, uh, a a glass of beer, or a shot of whiskey. And there are published studies that show that. Zyrtec... Is Zyrt- that an antihistamine? It is. And Zyrtec okay. does not have the same problem. The generic name for Zyrtec is uh, cetirizine. And so that uh-huh. generic cetirizine or Zyrtec, you can take those. You only need one a day. You can take them yes, every day, and it will not harm you. That one's not a bad one to take at night either, right. because then when you right. take it, you're already protected for the next day. Hope that's of use to you, Robert. We need to move on to another caller. Thanks very much for your call. We'll go to Susan and Olive Branch. And Susan, uh, welcome to the show. How can we help you today? Hi, I have a problem that's unusual, and that is if I smell something like a perfume or a cologne or an air freshener, um, it immediately makes me start coughing, and I feel like I, as it, it's almost as if I can taste it before I can smell it. Because I feel like it's coating my mouth, and it's a it's a taste, not a scent. And then I frequently throw up. Does the coughing make you throw up? Uh, yes, I'll cough and gag yeah. until I throw up. Yeah, and and uh, how, and once you've gone through that episode, are you basically okay until the next time you're exposed to a strong odor? Correct. Okay. Well, what you're probably having is a bit of a reflex, uh, and, and reflex is an, is an appropriate term, and that it is, uh, even though you feel like you taste it before you smell it, uh, taste or, or at least flavor, remember we only have five kinds of taste. We have thousands of flavors. And the flavors uh, that we talk about, and they'll and they'll talk about this taste this way and that taste this way on the cooking channels because they want to add a little bit of this and a little bit of that to improve the taste. But what long before it works its way down back to your tongue to where you actually taste it, your brain is making a decision that that strong odor is making you ill. Now the question is, how does one decrease the sensitivity to? those odors so you don't reflexively try to throw up a defense because a cough and even throwing up is a form of a defense mechanism. Your body's trying to protect you. It's not protecting you, obviously, because the cough is is uh, very uh, disturbing and it results in you throwing up, which is not a pleasant experience, and it's because you're exposed to a strong odor. How can you decrease that? 
If you have nasal symptoms, if you have personal nasal symptoms that, yeah, you walk around and I've got some drainage and my nose is kind of stuffy now and again and so on, using something like a nasal steroid like fluticasone, you could give that a try for about two weeks and see if, and I wouldn't necessarily go and say, all right, let me go get to the strongest odor I can find. But odors are around, no matter, just as we're normal individuals wandering around, see if your episodes diminish or are eliminated with that. That's one suggestion. Another suggestion to see if this might have something to do with mast cells. Mast cells are the major factories for histamine, is to try one of these non-sedating antihistamines, like a daily cetirizine for, again, two weeks. What I might suggest you to do, if you came in the office and we had this conversation, you might try both of them. They're not going to have any additive side effects. And if in two weeks you're not any better and you're still having this same reaction, then you've eliminated two of them rather than one over two period of time. If it does work well, then you could say, hmm, which one of them would I rather try to do without and see if one of them rather than the other one will work and play around till you find the right combination that may work for you. I think that's a straightforward and a hopefully useful way for you to try to approach this. Can you uh, tell me that antihistamine? Uh, yeah, cetirizine, C-E-T-E-R-I-Z-I-N-E. Uh, the brand name for that that it was sold originally was Zyrtec, Z-Y-R-T-E-C. Oh, okay. 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 Thank you, Susan, very much. Thank you. Let's go to Anna in Starkville, who's got a Flonase question. Oh, I like that. Anna, how are you this morning? I'm fine. Thank you for getting my call. Sure. Um, I'm uh, kind of all over allergies, so I take a uh, year-long single air for calm my mast cells and uh, Zyrtec. But uh, my problem is not only the nasal, but the eyes. I have um, some kind of uh, sensitivity to steroid. Every time that I take uh, Flonase or any other steroid for my uh, nose, yeah. uh, I get my eye um, pressure goes high. Yeah. You mentioned about the glaucoma. Right. So I have to manage that. So I just want to know if is there anything uh, uh, like an alternative yes. uh, medicine for the eyes and also for the nose because when it's too bad my eye uh, the allergy it you know, becomes granular I have kind of film in my eyes right and uh, uh, sometimes uh, inter- intermittently get uh, the um, uh, pasio but also the fluoromethodolone. Right. But it's also a steroid, so I have right. to, to be careful with that. Right. And I've heard that just the regular uh, allergy medicine for your eyes, the drops, uh, for example, uh, uh, nafcon, you cannot take every day. But what you suggest for me, you know, well, I have... Uh, yeah. I have the eye doctor, the ophthalmologist, I have the pulmonologist, because when you get uh, sinus, I get bronchitis. Right. So let me give you two uh, quick things that I think will help you out. First of all, for your nose, it's a good news, bad news story. The good news is that there really is a good alternative. And the good alternative is a drug called azelastine. starts with an A, and it is a non-steroid spray. It's actually a highly concentrated antihistamine spray. 
and it works in many people just as effectively as a nasal steroid spray and won't have that potential adverse effect of increasing the intraocular pressure in your eyes that the steroids do. It's The bad news for that is that it is a prescription drug. You have to have a prescription to get it. It's a twice-a-day drug, but it can work very, very well in the right clinical setting. And you might suggest one of your doctors to write a prescription for that for you and give it a try. The, the, it's like the other bottles. They usually last for a month. It's a couple of squirts in each nostril twice a day, morning and evening. For the eyes, there are lots of, of eye drops for allergy symptoms besides um, besides the topical steroids that you're describing, including uh, uh, ocular antihistamines. And I would think your ophthalmologist could, uh, or optometrist, whichever it is, your eye doctor, could give you a good advice as to which one to use. Or you could just go to the pharmacist and say, I want a non-steroid eye drop for my allergies. And they could point you to the, the ones of both the store brand and the brand name, because there's several of them that are over the counter that can be very effective. If your nose gets under really good control, what my experience has been in patients is two out of three patients that have both eye and nose symptoms, you get their nose under control and they don't need any different medicine for their eye. About one in three do. So what I would encourage you to do is to get your nose under control using this azelastine. And once you do that, if you still have eye symptoms, then you can get the eye drops that are not steroid. You can either ask your pharmacist or your eye doctor for it. Anna, thank you very much for your call, and uh, I wish you well. Hope things go well for you. So we are got a few minutes left, and we have open lines here uh, talking about allergies today. This is Dr. Galen Marshall from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm sitting in for Dr. Rick DeShazo, and you can call us at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. And we've got a few minutes left before the top of the hour, and we'll be happy to take your call and talk to you about anything related to allergy or asthma or other uh, things uh, related to your seasonal symptoms that are coming up right now. We talked earlier about uh, the issue related to this being a mold season as well as an allergy season. What do you do about that? How do you keep mold out of your house? Let me give you a short answer. You don't. You can't get rid of it. There's no such thing as a mold-free place that you and I would know anything about. Those are experimental chambers that are not very pleasant to be in and cost lots and lots of money to construct. The goal is that you have far less mold inside than there is outside, and how do you achieve that? Well, molds like three things. They like uh, moisture, they like a food source, and they like humidity. So I'm sorry, uh, warmth, moisture and humidity are the same thing. It hasn't changed the last time I checked. So uh, warmth, warm temperature, uh, moisture, high humidity, and a food source. And the food source is any kind of carbon dust, uh, food left out, things like that. Uh, A big source of those inside the house for people that are sensitive are potted plants. Because potted plants have dirt in them, and when you take up that dirt and take a little sniff... The reason it smells earthy, that nice dirt smell, are the mold spores in it. And if you don't believe me, the next time you want some potting soil from the the box stores and it says on the outside that they have been sterilized, open that up and when you first open it up, take a nice deep whiff of it. 
doesn't smell like dirt, doesn't smell like much of anything. It's because the mold in it is either dead or by this time, in many cases, non-existent. But you mix that with some dirt out in your flower bed and inside of a couple of days, the mold is back and you got that nice earthy smell again. So the earthy smell, which I personally like, it's a nice smell, can be and it is an indication of the mold that's there. You can control humidity. You can control the dirt inside the home. You can control the temperature inside the home. You'll be able to control the mold and you'll feel a lot better as a result of that. What people always ask me as an allergist is that, are you one of those scratch and shoot doctors? Or do you do, you know, somebody walks through the door and you immediately test them. And if they're test positive, you immediately start stabbing them with needles and say, you need to be on allergy shots. Does that work? Well, let me tell you, I am board certified in allergy immunology, been board certified for now coming up on uh, 30 years, heavenly days, 30 years. Uh, that's a That's a sobering number. But let me tell you what the the truth is and that any high-quality allergist, immunologist is going to feel. The the numbers is that if you have an 8-year-old kid and they got really bad rhinitis and they're just, they've got pollens and dust mite and animal danders, you put that kid on shots, she or he has a 95% chance of getting a lot better with allergy shots over a 2- to 5-year period of time. But yet they only have about a 25% chance of being, quote, cured, unquote, now, in an eight-year-old, they'll a lot of them will outgrow it on their own, and so that number gets pumped up, and people say, well, gee, you, you put all eight-year-old kids on allergy shots. But then you start getting older, and the, the, the likelihood of being cured from your allergy on allergy shots, even after five years of them, goes down, down, down. By the time you're 50 years old, the, the chances of being uh, cured is less than 10%, but the chances of being controlled where you can go along with your life and take care of yourself and you do well using your allergy medicine can go up as high as 90%. So if you come in and you see me as an allergist uh, and I examine you and do the appropriate testing, you're allergic and so on, and there are things we can talk about such as controlling the dust in your home and controlling the mold in your home and how to bathe your pets to control dander and the times of the day that the pollens are going to be worse and the times of the year when they're going to be worse, giving you that information and then putting you on a medical regimen Typically, I'll have you come back and visit in four to six weeks and see how you're doing. If you're doing great, we're done because there's really not much more that I can offer you if those medicines are controlling you. If you're not and you're appropriately allergic and you're not well controlled, then allergy shots can bring you into control. And that's really what the value of shots are in a very large percentage of our patients in the population, particularly the adult population. So... Don't think that all allergists just want to put you on shots, but on the other hand, don't think that you need to be on shots when you first see the allergist. It is a process, and it's a process that you work through together. And I think I know every one of the allergists in this state, and I believe I speak for all of them, and that this is how that we would behave. So uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. If there's anybody who has a quick question for us, one 672 7464 or 1-877-MPB-RING. This is Dr. Galen Marshall from the University of Mississippi Medical Center substituting for Dr. Rick DeShazo, and we're talking about all things allergy. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 